How's it going on this great Wednesday afternoon? My name is Hayden Joyner, and this is Off the Bench, your top sports talk show here on XLR, Lane University Radio. I'm joined with Liam Worley, as always, here, guys, and it is a great Wednesday to be in the show. A little, a little cloudy outside, a little muggy, but it hasn't rained on us quite yet. Nah, a little, little bit of drizzle earlier today, but nothing. Was there? Uh, I completely missed that. Yeah, it was, it's fine. Oh, you, well. you wouldn't have gotten wet. Oh, well. Uh, Chris couldn't join us. He is working on his golf game right now. Uh, didn't hurry didn't do too well in yeah, his last tournament. Yeah, but, speaking uh, of dismal weather, a little dismal uh, <laughs> play from our buddy Chris uh, this past tournament. Hopefully he can turn things around for he'll, the rest of the season. Yeah, he'll get it back. I mean, skipping the show to work on your game, you got to show your commitment. Yeah. So Chris has got it. But uh, tons of stuff going on in the sports world. You know, off-season football, NCAA tournament coming up, and uh, all the racing seasons have gotten underway, and F1's about to start. But I'm going to start off to talk about our own Lane University women's basketball team they have made the final four for the first time in program history they defeated if i can even pronounce their name right azusa pacific last night 78 no 88 88 76 thank you liam 88 76 phenomenal performance by that entire team they've had a great tournament so far they the region they were in if you know the way women's tournament in division two works it's eight regions so the elite eight's the big thing instead of the final four technically right the elite eight's the really big deal it's where they all traveled to columbus ohio and that's where it was at but uh they got through probably the toughest one defeated north georgia for the second time this season division rival in the peach belt for us or conference rival in the peach belt for us defeated them to make it to the elite eight and then beat azusa pacific to reach their first final four in program history, Zemiah Passmore, 38 points, a season high, six rebounds, five assists. 38 points is just insane. Yeah, insane. Stellar performance there. Yeah. And um, Michaela Conje, 36 points, 18 rebounds, and another assist to add on to that. Just absolutely insane work by our women's team. They, they've they had a great season. They were undefeated up until our conference final when they lost to North Georgia to sadly miss out on the Peach Belt title. But we got them back. We got them back in the, uh, I guess, technically Sweet 16. It's grind time, prime time. Grind time, prime time. And uh, if you are on campus right now, Lane University is hosting a watch party at Horn Arena tonight at 6 o'clock. Doors open at 5.15. So be sure to check us out there and uh, cheer on our Lady Bearcats as they hope to go to or win their first ever Final Four matchup and make it to their first ever national championship. And they play Drury tonight at 6 p.m. again, so uh, so stay tuned and listen to all that. I yeah. know I'll be watching either in Horn Arena or I'll find a way to tune in to the radio or something in my dorm. So It'll be, I don't know, dude. Like, I mean, I'm not, you know, in very invested in really any of our sports except for, <laughs> except for golf and if you want to say bass fishing. But, uh, like, this is, like, just talking about it, it's making me excited, like, I mean, you oh, know. I mean, I'm... Division two Women's Basketball Championship isn't going to, like, put us on the map, but it's going to put us out in front of more people. Yeah, which exactly. Which is great for it's something our to team get. and the university. Yeah, I mean, Lander's been, been killing it this year. We were killing it last year, too. Men's and women's team last year won our conference tournaments before COVID took them both out of the NCAA tournament. Yeah. Our men's soccer team right now just won the Peach Belt Conference regular season. They're ranked, I believe, six in the nation right They're now. They're up to four now. Up to four now. Fantastic one, work. Six, so. One last night. The women's team was undefeated like i said until our conference championship they were number two in the country for a long time just phenomenal stuff by our entire athletic department here and i mean i work for them so i'm i'm constantly involved in it but kicking it it's it's crazy to see so hopefully our women's team gets the final four victory tonight that'll be super hype for real just insane but back to the show liam f1 is getting started this weekend in bahrain with bahrain grand prix qualifying and practice will start this friday 
I'm I'm pumped. I'm super hyped. It feels like I mean it's been like what four months since the season ended. In, uh, it was like in first out- week of December. Yeah, something like so that. December it's been yeah about four months. Almost four. Yeah, if we were at the beginning of April, it'd be four months um, when they ended at Abu Dhabi. But it feels like it's time's flown by. It feels like it, it feels really like it just has. ended. Like, it was same thing for. Uh, I mean, you know, everybody knows I'm a big NASCAR yeah. fan. The off season went by in what seemed super- like three weeks instead of three months yeah it's insane so we're getting right back at it nascar's on dirt bristol this weekend which we'll get into in a little bit Joy. but uh f1 at bahrain first time season openers in bahrain i think since 2004 if i'm wrong there I, since been, i've been in since been i've been watching in, it's been australia yeah it's been australia since so. i've watched so when last year was austria but you know it was supposed to be yeah, Australia. It was supposed to be, and they got they were they were like, there for they like were there. they were for like two days, and then it got canceled. McLaren caught it, and yeah, yeah. Oh well, but Bahrain, Liam. We talked a little bit beforehand, but bold predictions for this race. I mean, we know we saw the cars in testing. We saw what they can do. All we have left to do is wait for Friday, Saturday practice and qualifying. But bold predictions before we know anything. First off, give me your give me your prediction for the podium here. I want to see All right. who's starting off the season strong. So, well, I'm gonna I'm gonna take us on a little uh, little what what you might call it Wednesday, since you know there's no uh, flashback Wednesdays or anything. <laughs> but uh, there was two races at this track last year. One of them was you know the craziest race of uh, mm-hmm. of 2020, okay. being uh, Checo. Esteban Ocon yeah. and Lance Stroll on the this podium. This is the exact point I think I have written down too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> With uh, I mean that was you know that was a big big uh, race too because of uh, Romain Grosjean's incident or was that the other? That race? was the Bahrain one. Okay, so, yeah. so this this was Sakir. Which Sakir was the, was the first, George Russell race. Yeah, which was the first one uh, they raced. Lewis Hamilton had COVID, so George Russell mm-hmm. uh, was you know fighting uh, in that Mercedes for the week, and you know. Pietro Fittipaldi and uh or no that's that's not, or was that Jack Aitken was in this the, one the um let me think I think the Bahrain, Fittipaldi was in the this Bahrain one too, Bahrain where Grosjean had his wreck was first and okay. then Sakir came second so yeah. Sakir was the one with Jack Aitken and Fittipaldi okay so uh anyhow uh you know that was crazy and the second mm-hmm. one the second race we had was a lot more predictable with Lewis uh and Max on the podium and the other Red Bull uh, getting on the podium too, mm-hmm. but for this year, I'm gonna I'm kind of gonna go that route uh, okay. with with Max being winning the race, mm-hmm. Lewis finishing second, and then uh, Checo going for third. All right, I like. I mean, okay, the fact that Red Bull, I mean, they've looked very strong in testing, and getting two of them on the podium is gonna be a huge huge out for them. Well, I'm a little biased. I'm a, I like Max a lot. I know, we we I, I'm a, I'm not a Max fan, but I prefer him winning than any of the Mercedes drivers. I'll, yeah. I'll put it that way. Um. I'm going the same route you do. I literally was writing my notes. Like the two races we had in Bahrain, the Bahrain and Secure Grand Prix last year were two of the final three races. Were probably two of the most hectic ones. Mm-hmm. I mean, Secure speaks for itself. You had George Russell, pretty much should have won the race and then got knocked out due to the Mercedes first ever, it seems, in history messing up in a pit stop. Right. Doing that. And then the puncture ruined his race. Bottas got dropped back in the field and doesn't know how to fight back. So he finished Definitely like not. seventh or it's eighth or something. Um, and yeah, we had, we had Checo getting his first ever F1 victory, then Esteban Ocon and Lance Stroll in third. Phenomenal race there. And then the previous week in Bahrain, like we said, that was a Mercedes Red Bull Red Bull, just like you just predicted. That was mm-hmm. that was that finish. It would have been Sergio Perez in the third spot if his engine didn't blow up with like three or four laps to go. And then Correct. Albon got his little cheap second podium of the season. Whatever. Uh, didn't save him anyway. But uh, that, that guy's not racing this year so eh, what's the point he might get a drive in 2022 i've heard but maybe maybe if maybe he'll get a 
a Renault drive when Alonso Red, Red Bull still invests a lot in them and like you know if they're yeah. doing a show or something it's going to be Checo, he's, Max and Albon. Yeah, he's a bi- he's a big name. You want to yeah. keep him there. But yeah, like you said, those two races were insane and I'm I'm really guessing that this race is going to be a little crazy too. I mean, opening race in Austria last year, we had seven drivers DNF and we ended up seeing it was Bottas, Leclerc, and Norris on the podium, which mm-hmm. we know, which you know, an opening podium for Ferrari was actually a huge deal last year yeah. because they ended up only going back, I think, three more times or twice, right? Because Leclerc got one in uh, in Britain, and then Vettel got one in Turkey. That's the only two I can think of. But insane race there. Norris got that last second podium with his final fast slap. So I'm going a little tougher there with my bull predictions forward. But as for my podium, I'm doing Hamilton first because, I mean, it's like picking the it's Patriots to win the Super Bowl at minus this past year. Yeah. It's like picking the Patriots to win the Super Bowl. You might as well. And I'm going for Stafford second, Ricardo third. Danny Rick. Danny Rick third. I really think he's going to That's gonna kind push. of a bold prediction. Yeah, I think... And, and part of my bold prediction is McLaren getting a car on the podium. I think there's going to be something crazy. Either Perez is going to take some time to adapt and not really fight for a podium yet, and then Bottas, we all know, he's going to be under a ton of pressure this season. He might get involved up in something. He's not the best at some at race starts sometimes. So. I don't think he's clutch at all. And no. I think this – I would say this year he's more under pressure than any year he's had. I think he knows his uh, tenure at Mercedes is kind of mm-hmm. up. And uh, I think it's going to affect his his driving, and it's going to affect him uh, negatively. Yeah. I don't think he's going to be able to handle it. I mean, this is the year he has to prove it because next year his contract's up, Hamilton's contract is up, Mercedes is going to have to make another decision. Russell's is up. Too Russell's will after be up, this and year. he has. And the new regulations come in. It's a huge changing point, pivot point for Mercedes and F1 as a whole. Yeah, they're going to have a lot of decisions to make. They're going to have a lot of drivers. I mean, you you could have. Acon up there potentially because he was like he wasn't he a Mercedes junior He's, driver at some point. Yeah, uh, he was their test driver. He was their test driver until he got signed with Renault last year. Yeah, so he could possibly be in the mix. Russell's in the mix. Bottas and Hamilton, if neither of them or Hamilton at least retires after yeah. winning his eighth, probably this season. Who knows? I don't know if you know this guy either, but I kind of like this guy. He races in Formula E. Pascal uh, Verline. He I've raced, heard his name. Yeah, he raced with Menor like probably 2016. What whatever their I recognize last his year name. Was. I recognize his name. Yeah. Anyhow, he he could be a he's a test driver for them as well yeah so tons of names and obviously with both drivers contracts coming up big names for all that so i don't think Bottas is going to come he's going to elevate to the to the challenge he's gonna he's gonna struggle and making not even a podium on his first race that's my prediction but yeah. uh mclaren getting a car on the podium that's pretty much what my first prediction was what was one of your bold predictions uh well it was Dan- daniel ricardo getting a top five okay uh, so about the same it, ballpark well, yeah like it, it wasn't my boldest but mm-hmm. you know mclaren they're they're a really consistent team, yeah. but they never get like insane results. I mean, we had Signs get a few podiums last yeah. year, and Norris got one or two, like you said earlier. Mm-hmm. But uh, I, I'm I'm gonna say this year, like I I think I said this last show. I think they get a win uh-huh. uh, at some point this year, and I think they're gonna start off pretty good with Ricardo getting either a fourth or a fifth place finish. Yeah, I mean McLaren. They were they were very neck and neck the whole season. I mean, the midfield battle last year was crazy with was with, with Renault, McLaren, and Racing Point, and then Ferrari kind of for about half the season. Yeah, it was very tight, and McLaren pulled off to end up get third in the constructors, mostly because they were the most consistent of all those teams. Yep, Racing Point, you know, I mean, they got a first and third and secure. They had a pole position with Lance Stroll. They, I think, they were probably the stronger team, but they were just so inconsistent with their driving and their DNFs and well, all that. Yeah, they have. They had their fair share of mechanics. Yeah, they had a lot of DNFs. I mean, like I said just a bit ago, Perez 
lost out on a third place in Bahrain because of an, a blown engine. They had a lot of just up and down, some really good finishes and some really bad, whereas McLaren were just consistently putting both drivers in the points, and that's what ended up winning it for them. So they were very consistent, and then with, I mean, they lost Carlos Sainz to Ferrari, but Daniel Ricciardo's arguably a better, I mean, not even arguably, he's a better driver than Sainz, a step up, just even, you know, they're getting that experience, a proven race winner in Daniel Ricciardo. He has, what, yeah. nine total victories? Uh, I would say somewhere, somewhere seven to nine. Seven to nine, somewhere like that. So proven race winner, multiple wins, and they're pairing up with Norris, who's, you know, he's elevating each year. He's getting better and better. So And fan favorite. People love his personality, uh, everyone which only more. boosts his stock. Exactly. So, I mean, any team wants him because he's a personable person. Love him. But their consistency is going to help him. Plus, they've gotten better this year. Their rear diffuser looks very, you know, it's different than the other teams. That's pushing them for some speed. They looked very well in preseason testing. I think they're going to probably be the main favorite for third place in the constructors. Some people have been predicting that they're going to challenge Red Bull for second or Mercedes for second, depending mm-hmm. on how good Red Bull looks. But I think Mercedes or McLaren's going to look very, very positive. We'll see how good they do in uh, in uh, Bahrain this weekend. But my second bowl prediction I had, Yuki Tsunoda is going to beat out Pierre Gasly for this race at least and get some solid points. I'm guessing a seventh or an eighth place finish really? for Yuki in his debut. I mean, solid in preseason testing, second place in day three, only .093 seconds behind Verstappen's fastest time. Yuki put up a 129.05. He had DRS open a little too long on some of those straights, but we'll throw it past him. Still a solid lap regardless. He still was looking phenomenal in that Alpha Tauri the whole whole time. So I think he definitely has a solid, you know, maybe a sixth place, but a seventh and eighth. Toro Rosso or Alpha Tower. Sorry, clothing uh, brand. Yeah, well, I saw I saw some Toro Rosso stuff on uh, Instagram today, which is making <laughs> me flashback to what I usually know. But yeah, uh, they stepped up their program last year, and I'd expect uh, you know maybe another little hop, skip, and a jump forward this year. Mm-hmm. So that's my that's my second bold one. Uh, I'm my second boldest. Uh, we're going we're going points for George Russell. Okay, okay, I like so, it. So you know. He had he kind of had a traumatic race there last year when he was in the Mercedes. Uh, was led laps, got mm-hmm. all the way back to like fourteenth. Yeah, pushed back forward to like second, got pushed back to like eleventh. Then ended up finishing ninth and getting fastest lap. Yeah. But uh, I think he's gonna you know be like you know what Mercedes, that seat next year is mine. Just go ahead, sign my name to it. And uh, I think he's going to start off strong with a strong statement here mm-hmm. in Bahrain and be like, hey, Botas, what's up? I'm looking at the results last year. He finished 12th last year in Bahrain, surprisingly. In the Williams. In the Williams. Beat out Vettel, Raikkonen, Giovinazzi. I mean, part of this was Stroll and Perez were both down. So we lost. he got some points there. But 12th place, not bad, even beating out Vettel. Uh, Latifi got 14th there. So it's definitely a solid performance. I mean, last year was crazy just in general with the Bahrain Grand Prix with Grosjean's wreck. Yeah. But he had a solid performance there, and then, like you said, with the Mercedes, I can definitely see Russell getting some points. I think he will. The car looks decent. They haven't really improved much at Williams because they're mainly focusing on 2022 specs, but I do think they're going to improve a little bit, at least over Haas. So. Well, he he's he's a great qualifier, mm-hmm. which uh, if he can get a decent uh, place on the grid, uh, I say he translates that to the race. Yeah. I, I'm, I mean, if that comes true, I'll be very happy. I want him to get some first. I mean, he got his first points in Mercedes, but it wasn't even, it's, it wasn't near yeah. enough as much as you would have expected him to get. He got, what, ninth place? And that's what he two, should have gotten. It was 25. He des- he deserved, he, he showed that he deserved that uh, he needs a top seat in Formula One. Yeah, and, and he could prove it. Yeah, he did prove it, even yeah. though the final result isn't what he wanted. Anyone who watched the race knows what he could do. So. Yeah. 
All right, my last bull prediction, which is probably the boldest of all, is that Ferrari ends up third in the constructors after this race. So after one race, they'll be third. So third most consistent car. They're not on the podium. I have them, but fifth or sixth. If you get a if you get a car in fifth and sixth place, that's that's solid points. That yeah. can get you third, depending on how well both Mercedes or both Red Bulls or both McLarens. Correct. Go. It's probably going to ca- need a lot of things to happen for this to come true but well, we've mean, already been teasing that this could be a chaotic race it's first first race weekend you yeah. know we got some rooks in the field that can screw things up for some mm-hmm. other people we got tons of guys in new cars that yeah. might not know it as I well mean, they don't know how the tire i don't know i mean it's probably they're not probably not bringing a new tire uh this year mm-hmm. but uh you know they're gonna you know see how they wear because i mean tire strategy is what usually plays out big for every race besides just pure speed like we yeah. always see with Mercedes. So uh uh I mean that's that's valid. I think it's I think it's pretty bold. I think well, we'll see what happens. I'd be as I'm a pseudo Ferrari fan. I'm I'm a Leclerc fan first off, but mm-hmm. I I also cheer for Ferrari as a team, so. Yeah. I'm I mean I'll I'll be ta- I'll take that. I'll take that any day. Yes any sir. Day. All right. Well, my boldest, I'm going double points for Aston Martin. Okay. Okay. Uh, I don't have any great reason behind this. I think Lance Stroll is an underrated driver, even mm-hmm. though he's a, he's a daddy's boy. Got to agree with on Lawrence. that one, yeah. But and I think Seb's going to be like, yeah, last year sucked. This year, <laughs> let's let's make it better. But I think Seb's going to be driving uh, determined. Uh, I think he's just going to be a little more go with the flow kind of deal instead of like, yo, Ferrari, what are you doing? We need to be doing this instead of mm-hmm. this. Because he showed some visible uh, discomfort last year in that car. Yeah. So uh, I think uh, Seb's going to be like, yeah, you know what? Let's let's compete for some podiums this year, maybe a win. And uh, I think Aston Martin's going to have a good year. Probably finish fifth in the constructors. Maybe standings. they finished where fourth last year. I'm assuming. Mm, yes, I think they. Did. I think they finished. I think they beat out Renault. Yeah, I think it was. Yeah, it was them. Then Renault, Ferrari, AlphaTauri. Yeah. Um, I think, I mean, that's, I'll take that as bold. I mean, you could say like, oh, Racing Point looks so solid last year that they probably easily get double points. Mm-hmm. But Seb's been coming out and saying he doesn't feel super comfortable in that car. Yeah. He didn't get the testing he wished he could have I mean, had. It, it is, it, technically it is Racing Point still. Yeah. But it's just different. Like, they're, they have different power units, uh, you know. Do they? I think it's Are they like, still with Mercedes? I, th- I don't know. I think it's Aston. Is it not? No, I think they're still with Mercedes. Oh, I'm pretty well, sure there's like a Mercedes or an AMG somewhere on that car. Oh, maybe so. I saw. I, I don't know. They're. I love Aston Martins. If I can ever re- get enough money to buy one, yeah. I'm going the new, to. New like was it the Vanquish or the Vantage? One of those looks phenomenal. Both. They both look. It's great. it's whatever the new um safety car is. Like those look. Yeah. Great. Anyhow, so I, I'm kind of like you know rooting for them since mm-hmm. that's what I like. But uh, I I think uh, I don't know, I don't know. I mean, them doing good, I think, is great for the sport. I mean, having yeah. a big manufacturer like Aston Martin coming back in the sport is already huge. Right. And then them, hopefully, you know, they're going to have the the money situation figured out. They got Lawrence Stroll as an investor. They've had that for a couple well, years. Aston Martin itself he's coming brilliant, in. brilliant, yeah. uh, minded, business minded person. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, all that money coming in should hopefully improve that team and just gives another team to compete at the top. I mean, yeah. We had three teams with McLaren or not McLaren, with Mercedes, Red Bull, and Ferrari for a couple years at a time competing at the top. But I, it was think, always a Mercedes, Ferrari, Red Bull yeah. pecking order. I think if they have any longevity to their program, I think they're mm-hmm. going to be championship contenders here in five or six years. Yeah, they got the money. I mean, they're a big program. It's not like you're a small team like Haas Williams or, or anything like that. You got the money. They should do it. But right. 
anyway, either way, I'm super excited for this race. I'll be tuning into every practice session, every whenever the race starts. Do you know what time it starts, by the way, for us uh, Eastern Eastern Standard Time Americans? Uh, I don't. Uh, I remember last year. I can't remember if it was after. I think I was going to my grandma's house, and I was keeping up with it on my phone, and I think I got back to my house in Orangeburg. Uh, with about two or three laps left, so I got to watch the end of that. I remember waking up in the morning for yeah. both the races. It's at it's at eleven a.m. So it's, perfect. Yeah, it's okay. Yeah, pretty pretty I darn remember, good. Yeah, because I remember I was able to wake up for the Bahrain and Secure Grand Prix last year. I was able to wake up and like be awake to watch it and not because there were sometimes I wake up like five a.m. to watch it and I would just be like dozing off mm-hmm. during the Abu Dhabi race or something because it was just nothing was happening. Exactly. In some races, the the one I hate myself most, Italian Grand Prix with Gasly winning it. I woke up late. I think it started probably around like 8 or something. I woke up at like 9.30 and was like, oh, the race was on today. And I opened my phone to Twitter and people were tweeting like, like, oh my God, like, look at like what is going on right now. And so I immediately tuned in. I got to watch probably the last 20 so laps. Yeah. It was right after Hamilton pitted for his penalty. And I was trying the whole race to figure out why he had a penalty and what had even occurred to get the race happening. But yeah, I'll wake up for the first race at least. I know that for sure. So. Dang right. But NASCAR on dirt, switch over to NASCAR, Liam. I want, tell me about this, because, I mean, we heard it at the, at the start of the season they were going to have this race, and NASCAR is dubbing this, what, like the greatest season ever? They have some yeah, slogan they've been teasing this whole it's, time? It's the best marketing that I've seen them uh, done since mm-hmm. I've watched NASCAR. They've been pushing it like crazy. Yeah, and so, uh, yeah, Bristol dirt. So all the racers this past weekend, when they weren't uh, in Atlanta, they were in Bristol practicing with uh, uh, various late model divisions. So all of mm-hmm. them, you know, they're they're kind of they're kind of trying to step their game up. Yeah, make this week worthwhile. So uh, and they got the truck race, which a lot of uh the Cup drivers are in uh, as well. Uh, yeah. Kyle Larson, who is a heavy favorite for both races, is racing both. I would, I I low key expect him to win both. Mm-hmm. Uh. Yeah, uh, there's a lot of guys that have great dirt experience. Uh, Christopher Bell, Ricky Stenhouse, Austin Dillon, uh, Ryan Blaney has some past dirt experience. Uh, Chris's boy, Bubba Wallace, even mm-hmm. won the truck race at the other dirt track, Eldora, uh, a few years ago. So mm-hmm. keep an eye out for him. But uh, now they're racing. They're racing in stock cars, right? Like the regular. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So how's this gonna like? What are they? Are they gonna be drifting these turns, or is it? Uh, I'm not, are they just gonna go really slow? Kind of. I I kind of. Everyone expects it to be kind of a weird race. They're having to do a totally different thing with their tires and such. Uh, yeah. I expect the truck race to be more interesting. I think a lot of those guys are more like dirt oriented because they're most of them are younger. And have uh, you know, or still mm-hmm. racing dirt cars every week. They're not in their truck, so um, I, I don't. I don't really know how it's going to work out. I'm excited for it. A lot of the people I watch on YouTube and see on Instagram are like, "Yeah, this race. It's it's uh, built up all this hype around it, mm-hmm. and it's not going to be that great." But I kind of disagree. And think no, they think it's good. not going to be that great just because like. Like no one's gonna like there's gonna be no battles or no, like well, they, it's gonna be like just they a boring. They say passing's gonna be really hard because Bristol is you know the, it's teeny tiny. The you know there's uh, the groove is about as wide as this room for y'all which can't see which is probably maybe only twenty feet wide, uh, twenty five. I don't know. I saw I I can see things in yards. It's probably ten yards. Yeah. So, so twenty thirty so, feet. So, so thirty feet. You know you can fit. 
two cars comfortably. I mean, there's there's this groove of dirt that's pushed up against the wall that's probably two feet uh, that you can't go on. That takes away two feet of uh, racing uh, space. So, so what do you mean you can't go on it? Like it's banked to mm-hmm. where if you put uh, if you get up there, it's gonna tear off your splitter and stuff. Like it's you're gonna like sink into the dirt, kind of. Uh, no, it's like it's hard as a rock. It's oh, gonna oh, oh. do some visible damage. Okay, but I don't know. We get we get practice uh, and then qualifying, which sets the lineups for heat races, which then sets up the uh, main field for the race. So they're going to have a lot of practice here starting Friday to Sunday to see uh, what really happens. I'm just see like, like having a Bristol dirt race. I mean, NASCAR over the past, I guess, count. This, no, this, not this count. is the first time the cup cars have raced on dirt in yeah. over 50 years. I mean, over the past 12 months. So like once COVID started, NASCAR's really gained some traction. Cause I mean, they were technically like the first sport to they come were, back. Yeah whether it was with the iRacing Leagues, which was super entertaining, more than I thought it would have been. Which, there's one on Bristol Dirt tonight, if you're into that sort of thing. Like an iRacing Bristol Dirt thing? Mm -hmm. Interesting. So, you know, the drivers that are racing it are actually going to get the feel a little bit how Mm -hmm. the track's going to be before they go out there Friday for practice. But it's like NASCAR was doing that early on in quarantine. They got back to, to racing early i mean racing is probably one of the easiest sports you can get back because no one's coming really into contact with each other yeah but they got back first and then this year they're marking as the greatest season ever with bristol dirt doing a bunch of road courses coda's coming back to nascar all these kind of crazy stuff yeah and i mean i'm sure like i've known this because my family's been in nascar for a while and you know this like nascar was kind of dying off in the last decade or so it was getting smaller and smaller and it's super great like just to see what they're doing now and just doing all these creative things to get people back in the sport. I mean, it's making me want to watch it again, and I haven't really solidly watched NASCAR probably in five, six years. Well, I mean, the only race they can uh, fill a grandstand for before uh, COVID was the Daytona 500, and uh, when they get back to full capacity, I expect almost every weekend mm-hmm. to be filled with fans, Yeah, at least for the cup race. Like just the off-season was fantastic for them. So. Yeah. I'm super excited. It's really confused. It's It's interesting to me, like, I get, like, you know, the road courses and Coda and stuff coming back, but, like, Bristol Dirt is such, like, an asterisk in the calendar in my head. It seems like something, like, fans would, like, beg for, but, but like, um, the people in charge making the calendar are going to be like, we're not doing that. It's just too stupid or well, too crazy. What they're trying to do with this is bring uh, different racing fans, like, you know, just guys who watch Saturday night races at their local short track, local yeah. dirt short track. You know, they're going to probably tune in this weekend. And then the IndyCar and F1 buffs here in America, they're probably mm-hmm. going to tune in to places like Coda and mm-hmm. when they go back to Sonoma and stuff. Yeah. Because, uh, you know... Uh, That's I mean, the tracks they're used to, and they want to see what it's like for other people. Yeah. I mean, Chase Elliott's going to win them all, so it doesn't <laughs> matter. But, you know, it's it's just something that they get to compare to, and it might bring some more viewership uh, across the board. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm gonna. it's getting me to watch it, so it's certainly proving all that. What, yeah. Now... Now, back when I was watching, I know there was some drivers that were like the favorites at dirt tracks. Like mm-hmm. they ran it sometimes like the all-star race. They did a little dirt thing. Mm-hmm. Tony Stewart was one of the biggest guys in dirt tracks. He won like everything. Yeah. Who's the who's the guys to contend with for this race? Like who are the the dirt guys like in this generation of NASCAR? So there's there's two big ones that they still race like uh, the Chili Bowl, which is the big midget race they have in Tulsa every year. And uh, Christopher Bell is a multiple-time winner of that event, and mm-hmm. so is uh, Kyle Larson now. Okay. So they're probably the two heavy favorites. 
Uh, Ricky Stenhouse Jr. races Outlaws a lot. He'll be a big favorite for this race. Uh, they're bringing in Stuart Friesen, who is a full-time truck driver, but who is amazing on dirt. And he's actually got a pretty decent uh, car for this weekend, so I mm -hmm. expect him to be up there. Austin Dillon does well on dirt. I already said that earlier, but that's that's guys I would see competing for top 10 at least. Okay, and for the guys that are the least likely, or like the, the amateurs on dirt, the ones who probably just got their first practices in yeah. this past weekend, are we expecting a lot of wrecks in the back of the field from them, or are they just going to go slow and steady the whole time? I'd say just slow and steady. I, I'd expect like guys... Uh, you know, that usually run well, uh, you know, on a regular race uh, mm -hmm. to do bad. I would expect guys like uh, probably Brad Keselowski. Interesting. Denny Hamlin, uh, William Byron, I could see doing bad. Chase Elliott, maybe even. I mean, <laughs> as much as I hate to say it, he has some dirt experience and did fairly well this past weekend. But uh, that's because he's got more talent and probably got <laughs> more funding for that those races than you know the regular guys that would have mm -hmm. raced it. So Very I don't know. I, Kevin Harvick maybe too, even though he's racing the truck race. But and when's this race on Sunday? Is it a night race or daytime? No, it's day. Okay. Yeah. Is it gonna be after the the Bahrain Grand Prix or are we gonna yeah. be overlapping stuff? Oh, it might overlap a little bit, but let me see. What it'll it probably start at one or two if I had to imagine. That 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 might be just perfect time. It starts at oh three thirty. The truck race I feel like is an evening race though on Saturday, which has a lot of big names in it as well. Let's see. Truck race is two thirty start on Saturday. Oh, never mind. Oh, wait, no. I need the dirt race at Bristol. It's an eight o'clock on Saturday. Oh hell yeah! I was looking at the wrong one. So. Yeah. Yeah. Cup Series Bristol, Food City Dirt Race. That's a. I don't know if as a as a grocery store chain you'd want to promote the dirt race they uh, they always sponsor bristol okay so just seems funny food city dirt yeah <laughs> but 330 so that's perfect you can finish the f1 race and then you probably have an hour to kill and then right onto the dirt race so yeah that's uh that's that's gonna be so entertaining. probably gonna lose some money uh due to some die cast sales this weekend if i had to imagine oh my gosh <laughs> well good luck on that one thank you but uh we're gonna go into a quick break guys when we get back we're talking some march madness nfl offseason stuff uh Super fun to talk about racing and stuff. We don't get to do it too, too often, but it is, it's taken over the offseason, so we're looking forward to it. Guys, if you're interested in the show, please follow us on social media at OffTheBenchXLR. We are on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, and now TikTok as well, uh, posting some videos on there. So Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and TikTok. Look up OffTheBenchXLR. You can find our stuff there. Video clips, quotes, um, predictions from the show, all the kinds of fun stuff. Just look us up in there. Again, that is Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, TikTok at Off The Bench XLR. Anyway, guys, enjoy this one song, and we'll be back with more sports. And we are back here on Off The Bench. My name is Hayden Joyner, again, joined with Liam Worley. We just finished talking about some NASCAR dirt racing this weekend, as, as well as F1. Bahrain Grand Prix starting the season off this weekend on Sunday as well, so... Huge weekend for race fans, so super excited for all that. But we're going to jump into probably the biggest sporting event happening currently, which is March Madness, the NCAA tournament. <sighs> Liam, we had a, uh, you, me, and Chris had this bracket challenge going on, and uh, it's not looking too, too crazy. Who has the best bracket? I want to say you have the top two. Really? Have you not checked it? Uh, I, I only check mine. I don't check y'all's. Oh, my God. All right, I'll drop this. You have the top three. Look no at, way. You have the top three. Um, your Gonzaga one has the, is the best. Is the yeah. best. 
I at one point after the first day, so after half That's of my the, least serious one too. Oh my gosh! Look, after the well, well the odd thing, my 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 situation is super weird, right? Basically, for the people who can't see it, there's twelve of twelve submissions because it's me, Jameson, Liam, and Chris all did three. Mm-hmm. Uh, it goes Liam, 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 Hayden, Hayden, Chris, Jameson, Chris, Chris, Hayden, Jameson, Jameson. So Jameson has the bottom two, but he's also kind of in the middle. Yeah. Liam's got the top three. I've got the next two, and then Chris is kind of sprinkled in the midfield everywhere. Yeah. Um, if you let me, wait, one, two, three, four. Okay, five. So five of our twelve brackets still have their champion left. Right. Seven of the twelve have lost their champion. Yeah. Most of that was due. Illinois lost about three of us. Yeah. Iowa, Oklahoma State, and Kansas. The ones we have left, we have a Gonzaga. You have a Gonzaga, Liam. Mm-hmm. Chris has a Gonzaga. Jameson has a Villanova. Jameson also has a Gonzaga, and I have a Michigan. So if Gonzaga gets knocked out, it looks like it's just between me and Jameson because yep. we're the only ones with the Michigan or uh, Villanova thing. But Creighton's okay, too. They're okay basketball. Creighton's good. Team. I did... So what's crazy to me is, right, I did like maybe six total brackets for ESPN, three mm-hmm. for us, three for some other things I'm in. My worst three are the three and off the bench. Yeah. The other three are like I'm in the 90th percentile in the country for like two brackets, and they're like my best ones. And they're not – of course, those are the ones I didn't submit for our competition. Yeah. But funnily enough, I have two, like I said, that are in fourth and fifth. My worst one – let me re-pull up the – of course, I went away from it as soon as I wanted to speak about this. But my worst one is my Michigan one. It literally has an ice cube emoji thing beside it on ESPN Oof. saying it's like it's super cold. Like fifteen percent or something. Yeah, it's in the fifteen percentile. It's terrible. The 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 better the best news about it is it's tied for tenth place with Jameson right now. There you um, go. But it has the second max projection of all of us. You have the first. You have thirteen hundred total points you can get out yeah. of your top tournament, your Gonzaga one. With my Michigan one, I'm currently sitting at two hundred ninety points total, which Liam's leading with 380. But I have a max of 1290. That's because I still have two of my final four teams left, my national champion. I have like five of my eight elite eight teams left. Mm-hmm. So I still have a lot to build on. My other two that are at four and five, they're they're not looking to go up very far. They're good now, but the deeper into the tournament we go, because I lost my national champion, so it's not yeah. it's not too good. If you lost your national champion, you're kind of screwed. So mm-hmm. well, I'm I'm just waiting. We'll have to wait and see. I'm I'm still fairly confident in what my bracket is. I mean, I've had some good ones. I've had some bad ones with off the bench, but other ones in other leagues were looking actually pretty fantastic. Yeah, I mean, this would be a great rebound for me, uh, considering the the twelve game picks I did uh, for the NFL season. You came out even, didn't you? No, you, did you? No, no, Chris did. You came out like what? Not good. Like five and seven or four something. four and eight, I think. <sighs> Jiminy crickets, I know, but uh, yeah, not <laughs> not too hot. But yeah, this uh, I mean, this would give me a you know a little little bragging rights. What's What's totally crazy to me is like on ESPN, and I just I just look at this stuff all the time. There's one guy, the one dude who's alone at the top. He's not even tied for first place. He's first place alone. He predicted Oral Roberts going to the Sweet 16. One of G. He predicted Ohio and Creighton playing in the second round and then Creighton winning. He predicted USC going to the Sweet 16. He predicted Syracuse and UCLA going to the Sweet 16. He looks pretty good on a perfect bracket. His only mistakes, he got Clemson to beat Rutgers, which didn't happen. He had wow. I, and he had Iona beating Alabama in the first round and then getting to the Sweet 16. You know, I mean, Chris said that too, so maybe he was onto something there. Looks like Oral Roberts t- took Iona's spot as the 15 being the two. They did. And this guy also got let's see, UNC beating Wisconsin wrong, and Utah State beating Texas Tech wrong. All, mm-hmm. Other than that, he, oh, and he got Virginia beating Ohio. He got that wrong. Other than that, he's perfect, and that seems like about six wrong answers, which normally wouldn't make you the best in the world at this state. 
But given how crazy this tournament's been so far, that's pretty pretty fantastic. It's been a wild one. This year, I don't know if you've heard these stats, Liam, but this year the average seed for the Sweet 16 is a 5.88 seed. I did which not is, know that exactly, but I was looking at it and yeah. looking at teams that should have lost but are still in it, you mm-hmm. know, just due to their seed. And there was, I think, what, seven maybe that were lower ranked than the teams they beat. Yeah. So, well, here, I got look, I got these crazy stats for you give right it, here. Give it to me, man. Average, me. average seed of the Sweet 16 is 5.88, which is the highest in tournament history, beating out the previous record of 5.56 in 1986. So crazy. this technically means the highest number of lower seeds or the, the general seeding of all the teams is higher than anybody else. Yeah. As well, 2021 has seen the most upsets prior to the Sweet 16 in tournament history, which is 11. And this is from the NCAA. And the NCAA defines an upset as a team beating another team that's five seeds better than them. Which That's a lot. Five numbers, technically, not five things. So, like, a 10 being a 7 mm-hmm. isn't an upset, but an 11 beating a 6 is. Because yeah. there's a five-number gap, yeah. right? Yeah, that's what so, I, was, I, I picked up on that. Yeah, so that's what they define upsets by. And 2021 has seen the most prior to the Sweet 16, which is 11. Now, the most upsets ever in a tournament is 13, and for that criteria, which it's a tie for that in 1985, which number eight seed Villanova won, and mm-hmm. then 2014, which saw number seven UConn and number eight Kentucky meeting in the national championship game, uh, UConn winning it. So, I mean, just seeing a seven and eight in the national championship was crazy, and that's obviously most likely an upset every there single step of the way. Great for those players guys. on those teams, though. That Kentucky team and UConn team, Shabazz Napier, Shabazz Napier, Kimba. Kimball wasn't on that one. He was oh, he was a few it. years earlier. But Sorry. Shabazz Napier was on that team. There's a few other guys in UConn that were phenomenal. Yeah. They were just they just got hot at the right time. Um, yeah. and then Kentucky had a bunch of solid guys. The next year was the undefeated year for Kentucky where they Willie Colley Stein, Devin Booker, Tyler mm-hmm. Ulis, Harrison Twins. They had ten NBA starters on that Beastie team. Boys. Or ten NBA draft picks on that team. Yeah. Probably the best team in history. But that was that year. And this year already has eleven total upsets, and there's still a chance for that record to be beating. Just need two more to happen. And if we look at the bracket right now, the Elite Eight has the chance for that to happen. I mean, Gonzaga, Creighton, Baylor, Villanova, those are both one versus fives. Can't mm-hmm. happen there. But if Oral Roberts defeats Arkansas, that counts. It's a 15 versus three. Yeah, that's a if lot. That's... U- UCLA and Alabama, if UCLA wins it, it counts. Um, and the other one is Syracuse and Houston, if Syracuse wins, which I think that's the best chance of anything happening. That would count as well. I think UCLA is pretty hot right now, too. Alabama is super hot as well. Yeah, but we'll see. Either way, I'll start off our talk. Oral Roberts out in the south beating Chris's Ohio State team. Chris pulled a Jameson this week I was, and uh, and didn't show up after his team lost big. Well, so. I, that's not the reason he's not here. I, I know, but... but. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm sure he'd get uh, get a little a little infuriated. Uh, I'm sure we'd pepper him with 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 some stuff from this game but yeah crazy absolute bad defeat oral roberts beat ohio state 20 or 20 75 to 72 on saturday and then they came back on monday beat florida in the round of six around a 32 81 to 78 to advance to the sweet 16 first one in their history second ever 15 seed to make the sweet 16 liam q named the first ever 15 seed it was fairly recently was it remember yeah. Was it Loyola Chicago? It was not. They were a 12 seed in oh, 2018. I have no idea. It was Florida Gulf Coast oh, in 2013. Yes. Dunk the City. Eagles, I remember. Yeah. yeah. I remember that one far back. Florida Gulf Coast. Pulling was for them hard that year. Yeah. 20, 2013, they were the first ever 15 seed to make the Sweet 16. This is the second time with uh, Oral Roberts. What chance do we give them against Arkansas this year or this year, this upcoming game? They're playing Saturday. I have Arkansas in my Final Four and National Championship game a couple times. Mm. So. 
Uh, it's a big game for me. I don't want this to happen because this this could make or break my. I, ha- I have I have Arkansas going to the lead eight before mm-hmm. you know this sequence of events. But uh, Oral Roberts, dude, they're playing like you know they that they got to live mm-hmm. uh, if they their life win. depends on it. Yeah, exactly. That's what you're looking for, yeah. yeah, that's perfect. <laughs> Thank you. But uh, I mean, they're a team that fights hard all game mm-hmm. and they play to win. You know they. They don't get these huge leads at any point during the game. They're not putting up, you know, these insane stats. I mean, the first game they they out they outdid some stuff with Ohio State, but with Florida, they had like two percent better free th- uh, not free throw three point from three, mm-hmm. and that was the only stat that they really killed them in, and it was only by two percent. So I don't know, man. Uh, they're just playing like all lights out. Yeah, it hasn't this the Oral Roberts upset so far hasn't hurt me too much and that's because I've had Arkansas coming into the bracket this way yeah. and making it to the Elite 8. So even even though Ohio State lost, it only cost me like two steps, right? Cuz Ohio State never got never yeah. made it out of my sweet yeah, 16. Yeah, that's what I had as well. And then Florida again, Florida I never even had making it to the sweet 16. They would lose in the round of 62. So this hasn't hurt me too far, but if Oral Roberts pulls off the Arkansas upset, it's going to hurt me pretty bad. Yeah. So I want Arkansas to, to win this one. I'm also going for Baylor and Gonzaga and all that. Yeah. But Oral Roberts I think really does have a chance here. Arkansas didn't look fantastic against Colgate. They were losing to Colgate down for... Down at half, I believe. They, yeah, they were either down at half or up by just one possession right. against Colgate. They pulled away late, but they were close with them. Texas Tech, 6 seed, which they you know made the national championship game a couple years ago. They've been a hot team. Beat them by 2, 68-66. Not a very high-scoring game. Mm-mm. Didn't look very good on offense, Arkansas did, even despite you know the players of the year they had in the SEC and all, like the fantastic work they had in the SEC. Correct. So Arkansas's not coming in the hottest team in the world. They've been squeaking by a lot of these games. Oral Roberts coming in with probably as much confidence as anybody in mo- NCAA tournament mo- could have. And their momentum means a lot more to them than it does to Arkansas. Exactly. Kevin Obnor for Oral Roberts, 29 points per game, 11 rebounds per game in the tournament so far. He's done 28 and 30 yeah. in his first two games. And again, guard Max Abmus, 27.5 points per game. Those two guys are leading the team. They're playing phenomenal basketball. And if they, they're going to have to perform to that level. I mean, between the two of them, that's that's roughly 45 points a game or 55 points a game, excuse me, mm-hmm. between the two of those players. So if they can have that performance against Arkansas, there's a solid chance this Cinderella story could continue. Exactly. And whether they run into Villanova or, or Jim Behind and Villanova, who knows what's going to happen. I think both of those schools would probably be the ones to knock them off. Yeah. But Arkansas, this is going to be a tough game for Arkansas. I really think it's going to be close than we think. Arkansas is not really going to pull away from this, but... Watch that! Watch Arkansas beat him by twenty. You know, could happen. It happens it's, all the time. It's literally March Madness for a reason. Mm-hmm. I want Arkansas to beat him by twenty, but you know that's what I, mean, I don't really care. I just like seeing some good basketball that exactly. creates some headlines the next day. I'll flip over to the other to right across the bracket in the West real quick. The the situation down there, USC beat Kansas, which they were favored going into Kansas in the first place, mm-hmm. and they walloped them by uh, thirty four points, eighty five to, to fifty one. I think it was the biggest defeat for Kansas in the NCAA tournament since like the 1940s or yep. something absolutely insane at that point. Oregon or USC now faces Oregon who just came off a very good beatdown in Iowa beating them by 15 points. Luca Garza walked off the court crying saying, I think if I can I can quote him on this saying this will haunt him for the rest of his life he said Probably in the post game so. interview. I mean, he's going to be top in the NBA three pick. top 3 pick. Cade Cunningham I think is number 1. There's some other kids number 2 I can't think yeah. of his name. Luca Garza is up there. He'll have a fantastic career in the NBA. He's what was he player of the year this year and last year? He's he might be this year. I, I don't know what he I, was last year. 
I think he was last year. I think a guy from Illinois got it this year. I don't know if they've done the voting yet, but either um, way, he's he was in the consideration, yeah. or he is in the consideration. Fantastic yeah. player. I had Iowa making my national championship game a few times. I did. As they were a Final once. Four team for me. Mm-hmm. Um, but now it's USC and Oregon facing off to get the winner of Gonzaga and Creighton. A Gonz- Pac-12 rivalry action. Pac-12's done phenomenal in this tournament, if yeah. we haven't paid attention to that. but Oregon uh, State's still in it as a 12 seed. The Pac-12 has sent four teams to the Sweet 16. They own a quarter of the teams. Yeah, Meanwhile, the uh, the all-dominant Big Ten this year, which had two number ones and two number twos this season yep. for the tournament, sent only one team, which is luckily Michigan, that I have them as one of my champions. But, right. you know, Ohio State, Illinois, Wisconsin, Maryland. I'm trying to think of what are the other ones, the big ones. Iowa. Uh, Iowa. Yeah, Iowa just mentioned them. All of them yeah. knocked out. And there's more I didn't even mention. All gone. Only Michigan remains. So the Big Ten... Disastrous. I thought they were going to be studly too, since they were having a high level of play all all conference this year. I mean, I'm sh- there were brackets out there. I'm positive that had Illinois, had, Michigan, had, Ohio State, and Iowa in the final. I four. had Wisconsin. I had all Big Ten Final Four in one of mine. I had Wisconsin beating Baylor, and and mm-hmm. I think my best one. So you know these, it just didn't pan out for them this year. Maybe mm-hmm. they got wore out from their high level of play. I thought it was going to boost boost. Uh, how their level of play for the tournament, but it didn't happen. So. Yeah, I mean, there's a huge, there's a very good chance. I mean, we're guaranteed to have one Pac-12 team to mm-hmm. the Elite Eight because USC and Oregon are playing each other. Correct. Um, and where's the other one? Oregon State's playing Loyola Chicago. I mean, they're crazy hot right now, but and their seating was probably a little bit unjust. They probably should have been a four or a five. Mm-hmm. They were a very good regular season team, but their conference kind of got themselves overlooked and yep. ended up being an eight seed. Which we saw how good they were when they walloped Illinois by thirteen. Crazy. Um, Loyola Chicago, Oregon State. I mean, Oregon State's playing Loyola, like I just said. They're a tough team, but it's not Illinois or it's not one of the top ones. So Oregon State's got a chance there. And then again, UCLA against Alabama. That could potentially be an upset. Alabama's very hot, but so is UCLA. UCLA, blue blood of NCAA basketball. They had, they had to play in, too. Yeah, they had to play in. They've won, I mean, took them three games to get to the Sweet 16. So they're just, they're hot and ready. Yeah. I mean, little Caesars, hot and ready. No, but, uh, not my favorite, but hey, <laughs> let's go. Um, it's just, I mean, I'm hoping, I'm hoping for Michigan to take up, but uh, I'll ask you, Liam, just what like the biggest surprise so far. I mean, we have Oral Roberts coming in, but it, like just what the crazy stuff going through. Like, who do you really think of these Sweet 16 teams is going to surprise us the most in these upcoming weekend games yep. for the Sweet 16 Elite Eight? Like, who's who's going to be the story coming out? So I think there's two teams that a lot of people overlooked overall in their brackets mm-hmm. that are still in it. Uh, is lower seeds to this point that have a good shot of making it to the Final Four. Okay. The first one, I'll say, is Loyola Chicago. Mm-hmm. I mean, they beat Illinois, who was top five team all year. Yeah. Uh, have some insane players that are going to do big things in the NBA. Uh, you know, they were playing uh, this competitive Big Ten basketball we've been talking about. And they went in there, and I turned on the game with maybe – they were only five minutes in, but I don't think Loyola Chicago ever looked back. Mm-hmm. I think uh, I think they were up the whole entire game, at least from what I watched and remembered. So they're out, they're hunting. Uh, the other team is one of these Pac-12 teams, uh, and it's USC. I mean, they put that schmack down on Kansas, and yeah. they're playing Oregon, who they're familiar with. Uh, even though Oregon is a pretty pretty good team, got got a little lucky with uh, VCU. Uh, yeah, one to nothing beat down. <laughs> yeah, have have COVID. Uh, unfortunately, I'm 
like I, I used to really like VCU and picked them in my bracket. Though. They had a was it a Elite Eight or Final Four run in like 2014? Uh, Final Four. Yeah. So. Yeah. Uh, but anyhow, uh, I expect uh, USC to you know make a run to at least the Elite Eight, and I would uh, I would see they'll probably ha- I think they'd have to play Gonzaga maybe in their next game. Mm-hmm. So uh, if if that happens, uh, I'd expect Gonzaga to beat them. Uh, not not very handedly, but uh, I I think uh, they could definitely put up a good fight against the best team in college basketball. I the USC Oregon games, the one that intrigues me the most, apart from Arkansas and Oral Roberts. Mm-hmm. Everything else, I mean, I can see Michigan and and, F- and FSU, Florida State. That's gonna be an interesting game. Michigan again without their best player. That's kind of why they've. I had them as an upset for a couple of my brackets to lose to LSU. Mm-hmm. And LSU and Michigan was the only round of 64 team or game on Sunday, I believe, or Monday, whenever they played it, that was a single-digit victory. Like, right. everything else was double-digit blowouts. Um, so Michigan squeaked by LSU, which, I mean, LSU was 8C, but no scrum. They made the SEC championship game. They were down J- by a decent amount, yeah. too, at one point. So Came back and played resilient ball. Michigan squeaked by them. FSU, dominant victory against uh, Colorado, won by 18, I believe. Um, so that all these games look very intriguing, but Oregon and USC is very interesting to me. Both teams very hot. Oregon, I'm gonna probably want to think is gonna get the get the victory on that game. Mm-hmm. Ton of momentum coming off of Iowa's victory. They didn't have to play against VCU, so we got the argument of fresh legs here. Yeah, and I mean, I mean, they're getting like four day break though. You know, yeah. they're gonna they're gonna get. So, they'll, I mean, they'll get we saw that con- controversy with the the player packages, so you know they're gonna get to mm-hmm. utilize some of that stuff and just. Uh, you know, kind of live relaxing lives until uh, they they get ready and suited up for battle. Yeah, and I mean, Oregon and them, when they played Iowa, they had a great game plan. Basically, what they said they were going to do is, Luca Garza is going to put up points against us. There's no doubt about that. I mean, Garza dropped 36 on Oregon. He's a giant human it, being. Exactly. Too. You, you got to be like, we can't stop Garza. Let's plan on stopping everybody else. And that's basically what they did. They had Garza drop 36. Joe Weiskamp for Iowa dropped 17, and then Patrick McCaffrey, 10 points. Other than that, everybody else was six or less. Yeah. There was no other factor and in the game 10 besides points those three. Isn't, you and know, 10 points isn't even that, that impressive. Crazy. It just yeah. happens to have two digits, which gives you a little bit of an edge. Yep. As for Oregon, I mean, you had four guys drop 17-plus points. You had Eugene Amarulu, or Amarulu, I can't ever pronounce his name. Yeah. 17 points. Will Richardson, 19 points. Chris Duarte, uh, 23, and LJ Fee. Figario, Figario, however you say that again, twenty-one points. They they were the more balanced team. They didn't have point. They, like I mean, Oregon was top heavy, or Iowa was top heavy, and then nothing below it. Oregon was just stack, 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 yeah. and they dropped ninety-five points against this team. Iowa didn't play very well defensively. Luca Garza tried to carry, but you can only do so much in college basketball. Yep. That's what happened. So Oregon's coming with. They had a good game plan then. They're going to have one against uh, USC, and I think they're going to get the victory. Honestly, but I, can, I can definitely see it happening. And if Oregon can get to play Gonzaga, I think they have a shot at that game too. Oregon's a very hot team. Them and Loyola Chicago. You've had the argument of whether they were seeded too low than they should have been. Loyola and eight seed probably could have been. You know, they were top, arguably a top 15, 20 team in the country going into the tournament. Mm-hmm. They could have been easily a four or five or six seed at the minimum. Yeah, Oregon. They were a seven seed. They probably could have been a five or six if some cards fell their way as well. So both those teams better than their records say, and uh, that's what I'll take. My other my other note I'll be for the dangerous teams besides Oregon. I'm going to mention Alabama down there in the uh, what, what even region, the East region. They're playing UCLA, a team probably not as good as they would have expected to play, especially when you have Texas and BYU, two teams that a lot of people are high on. But Alabama against Maryland in the round of 64. I mean. I watched I watched a bit of this game, heard about it. Thirty two. 
Round, yeah, round like of 32 that. is what yeah. I meant. Um, defeated number 10 Maryland 96 to 77. I mean, you putting up 96 in a college tournament game, insane there. Yeah. And partially because they shot 48.5% from the three point range, 16 of 33. They outrounded Maryland, they outrebounded Maryland 40 to 19, and they had five guys on the Alabama side drop 10 plus points. Just like the Oregon team, dominant on the offense, tons of spreading the ball around. Consistent and across the board for sure. Exactly. Like just pure domination. It doesn't matter how good you play against Alabama. If they're shooting almost 50% from three and they're chucking up 33 of them, you're not, you're not going to, how are you going to keep up with the points? Yeah. I mean, you're dropping 96, you're letting your opponent drop 96 on you. You're not winning that game. And if Alabama can stay that hot against a UCLA team that's played three games now, they're probably, I mean, you can do the resting game or whatever. They've played three games already. They're going to be a little more winded than Alabama. Yeah. You play good against them, then you could possibly get an injured Michigan team or an FSU team, Florida State, which you can squeeze by, get to the Final Four. I think Alabama and Oregon, both those teams are the, the ones to really watch out for. Right. And again, I mean, you can never count out Loyola and Oil Roberts. You never know. Dude, this this is what the tournament's all about. It's about teams that, you know, would have never had a shot, and here they are still playing basketball mm-hmm. when you got some great big teams that are out. And especially this year, I've said this a little bit, but like, just the fact that there's no fans in the stadium, mm-hmm. this is all, there's regions, but this is all pretty much in a centralized location. They're not playing on the West and the East Coast and never that. Mm-hmm. Everyone's in the same spot. This, there's no fans. I feel like that's that's really helping to there's the upsets. Fans. There's a few fans, but it's not like, I mean, you, yeah, you, you, like you think upsets, typically. Yeah, like if you're, let's say you're Oral Roberts fan and, you know, the game's two, three hours away from you. Uh-huh. This is the biggest thing that's happened in your school school athletic wise in a while mm-hmm. so you're gonna go root on for their some sort of hawk or bird or something uh, they're yeah they're they're something anyhow you're gonna you're gonna go root for your team so like you know in past years that would have played a bigger role than this year i do agree uh they're the golden eagles yeah golden eagles that's yeah, right I forgot but about that i yeah. feel like i mean just limited fans that helps and i mean part of the reason like another thing like if you have a lower seed upset and say I mean, it happens with all the blue blood teams. Say mm-hmm. you're there was a 15 seed that beat Duke a while ago. I can't remember who it was, but they beat Duke, and you know that stadium is packed with 80 percent Duke fans, 10 percent probably random people, and then a tiny percent of the 15 seeds fans. Yep. As soon as you start winning and you quiet that Duke crowd, that's your momentum. I mean, you're a small school. Your momentum comes from the absence of their momentum. You know what I mean? Exactly. So that's going to play a part in momentum for them. And then as well, if you happen to be a school that it's bad seeded, but you're popular. Like Kentucky has an eight seed in 2014, and UConn has a seven seed in 2014. Like I mentioned earlier, you're gonna have your fans there. And even if you're playing the one seed, like Kentucky played one seed Michigan that year to make it to the Final Four, it, that that's, that that stands was probably 70 percent Kentucky fans because they're one of the biggest fan bases in college basketball. Yeah, that helps you. And that that's not there means that teams that. I mean, you would have thought that maybe there wouldn't be as many upsets, well, but it kind of pulled the opposite effect. Like you know, the fans can't build you up or. You know, if you're doing bad, tear you down. So you control everything that's, you know, going on in that little bubble. Like, it's, mm-hmm. you know, it's like you really are living in your own little world. Uh, you know, that you're not being affected by any outside factors. So, you know, like, if you make the decision that you're going to give up, you're going to give up. The fans aren't going to get behind yeah, you and rally you back up. If you're, if you're going to, uh, you know, keep going. You're going to keep going. That's that's what you've made in your own mind. Your teammates are probably all on the same uh, mm-hmm. uh, he- headset or whatever. Headspace, but, yeah, yeah. Heads. There you go. And they're gonna <laughs> they're gonna 
keep going. Yeah, that's basically what happened. Like, I mean, Ohio State, Oral Roberts, Ohio State was getting down. And they don't have the fan base to help them back up. They yeah. just have to mentally be tough and like root themselves back up. And that's easier said than done. So I definitely think it's played a role in this tournament. And like I said earlier, 11 total upsets so far, and there's still opportunity for probably two to three more. Yeah. At least at least maybe two in the Elite Eight or Sweet 16, and possibly more if somehow there's upsets and they continue to go on for the Final Four and championship game. But, you know, next to this upcoming weekend, we'll, we'll see what happens. And I'm cheering on Arkansas and Oregon and Gonzaga just to keep my uh, my bracket alive. But we'll see. We'll see yes, how sure. long it goes. But we're going to another quick break, guys. If you have listened to the show so far and you're not able to make it for the rest of it, or you missed some of the beginning and you're not and you want to go back and listen to what it was, well, don't worry. We are on all the major major podcasting platforms. Apple Podcasts, Google Play Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Podcasts, and everywhere else podcasts can be found. Just look us up off the bench with space in between it. That is off the bench. Look for the green, gray, and white logo. It's made by Hayden Joyner, my name. Look us up there, and you have all the episodes from this season and last season of Off the Bench. Again, that is Off the Bench with spaces in between it, and we are on all your major podcasting platforms, including Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play Podcasts, and more. So you can just look us up there, and we're going to go into a quick break. When we get back, we're talking some NFL free agency and offseason news. So stay tuned for that, and we will be right back. And we are back here on Off the Bench. My name is Hayden Joyner, joined with Liam Worley, and we are talking some NBA free agency. If you have not listened to the whole show, we talked a little bit about F1 weekend this weekend and the NASCAR dirt race, as well as the NCAA tournament, March Madness, and all that's happened. So tons of stuff so far. Liam, last segment, NFL free agency. We've had some, uh, I say this every week, I feel like, but not the craziest news has been coming out. We're still kind of, you know, waiting up on the draft and all that, but uh, stuff's coming up, you know, stuff's coming out. We're going to have some... uh, We'll have draft episode coming up. We'll have the uh, we'll have our final bowl predictions. That might be our la- our season finale episode yeah. in April sometime, where we make our uh, our final predictions. We'll make our Super Bowl prediction for the NFL. Way too early stuff like that. Once we get the the draft coming in and all that kind of stuff. When is the draft? By the way, do you know the top of your head what date it is? It's in April at some point. Yeah, right? I'd say it's probably within you know two or three weeks. Let's see, April 29th. So Ooh, four, maybe even five. That's yeah. We might not even uh, get to we'll there. Be here. Yeah. We might because that's uh, that's right when that's finals like week starts. Start, yeah, and I don't think we're gonna make it to a Wednesday. So I guess our last episode might be a uh, bowl predictions and draft preview. There you go. Maybe maybe that's what we'll end up doing. But uh, not bad. Yeah, we'll see. Uh, we'll we'll do our best. But uh, football news coming out. The biggest thing so far: Deshaun Watson and the saga that has been his off season so far. We all know he wants out of Houston. Teams have been lining up. He came out, uh, I think it was around last episode, and said he wanted to go to Denver and where else? The Jets? Am I remembering correctly, Liam? San Fran. San Fran, that's right. San Fran and Denver. But teams like the Jets, the Dolphins, the Panthers are interested in some others as well. Yeah. But recently, Deshaun Watson has now piled up 16 lawsuits of sexual misconduct in varying degrees. No no, um, charges have been filed against him. The police are not involved, to my knowledge, but the NFL itself is launching an investigation towards all of this. And uh, I saw today, news came out today, I saw it on uh, Undisputed, the show. Um, Deshaun Watson's lawyer has said, in quote, they have strong evidence that one of the lawsuits, at least, is a false report. So how, where does this leave the whole thing, Liam? Like, in general, how are we feeling about what this, what's Deshaun Watson going through? So first off, I don't, I don't really get this. Like, this kind of, this happened with Jameis Winston, Antonio Brown, and countless others. And, you know, I don't know if this is just something that someone's paying these girls, uh, 
off that it maybe it didn't happen. Maybe you know some of it's true, some of it's malarkey. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, maybe some people are just looking for their fifteen minutes of fame. Uh, I don't, I don't really know, but uh, I, I don't think this will affect his trade bids that much. I, I, I personally, I'm not a big Deshaun Watson fan, but I think he's a good enough fella, and uh, I don't think uh, these accusations are going to come out to be true. Mm-hmm. I, uh, I can agree with the lawyer that they'll probably end up having strong evidence that this is false, mm-hmm. uh, and I think all the teams that you know wanted the. Uh, wanted to get into some of uh, Deshaun Watson's abilities, I think they're still all going to be out on the table still. Yeah, what, what, I'll, what, I'll, what I'll mention about you know all of this, and you're right in the fact that we see this a lot, mm-hmm. see, or maybe not a lot, but we see it more often than we probably should. And think. Yeah, exactly. Would. And, I mean, 16, I mean, okay, the fact that this is, right, there's, there's definitely the room for conspiracy here because it's right when Deshaun Watson's having this major moment in his career where he wants to get out of Houston and get to another team. It's like, why all of a sudden are 16 different people coming out and saying stuff about yeah. it? And, I mean, it's kind of like, you know, I, I we can compare it to this. It's like kind of presidents. Like every time a president, you know, is looking like they're going to win an election or something, all these mm-hmm. people come out against them. And, you know, we see it on both both sides of the parties. You know, it's not just mm-hmm. to one. So it's like because that's like the final moment where you can get a say in. Yeah, and it's kind of the same thing here. Yeah, I will. I will say with like Deshaun Watson. I mean, they, the lawyer came out or whatever it was. Lawyer came out today and said that they have strong evidence that one's fake. And you can take what you want with that, whether you think all of them are fake or not. I'm not going to discredit the 15 other accusations those mm-hmm. could still be true for all we know yep the fact of the matter is there's to my knowledge at least and from what i've read up there's no police involvement so far this is all kind of he say they're filing some complaints with lawyers and getting the allegations out there but nothing crazy has been happening sean watson there's no charges against him he's an innocent man and all this fine so i'm not going to discredit 15 other ones just because one might be fake i don't think that's appropriate to do yeah but it definitely leads to the thought of what was the meaning behind this and the timing of all of it? Because it seems awfully fishy. Mm-hmm. And I'm not going to be the one to say this is all fake stuff because, I mean, you never know. I mean, this could this could very well come out. There are some nasty people out there yeah. that would do some nasty things like this. I don't think Sean Watson's that guy, but you never know. They could all be wolf in sheep's clothing. Yeah, exactly. I mean, we we know Sean Watson. We've, we've known him for a while in the NFL and college. He's been a good guy. We've all known this. So it's very out of character for these kind of things to pop up for him, especially at this time. But, I mean, you you just never know. This could very well, you know, once he gets traded somewhere or if he's traded, this all kind of fades away and we forget about it. Or evidence can pop up in a month saying he actually did these things and then he's out of the league and we all we don't know what, what happens to him next. This could go either way. My gut feeling is that this isn't the biggest of issues in the world. I mean... I don't want to say, like, I, again, I don't want to discredit what these are, but we just don't know enough information yet. Um, as for how it's affecting him in the career-wise, I don't think, you know, teams are going to deter themselves away from this right now. Um, Ian Rappaport came on the Pat McAfee show a couple days ago and said that there's still about four to five teams interested in Deshaun Watson. Yeah. And uh, it's not, this issue's not really deterred them away. They're still interested in getting the the Pro Bowl MVP candidate quarterback and Deshaun Watson, I mean, I mean, look, he's one of the top five best guys, arguably top three in the league. Yeah. He's like, what, 24, 25. He's young in his prime. Teams are going to want this guy regardless right now. Yeah, he's ready to show what he's got cause since, uh, you know, Houston kind of let him down on the offensive line side of things. Yeah, exactly. He wants to get to a team he can prove himself by. And I don't, I mean, obviously, according to Ian Rappaport, who you can, he's probably one of the, the if not the second most credible NFL source besides Adam Scheffner. He's saying these teams are interested. He's gotten the information. 
He kind of noted on the Pat McAfee show that the Dolphins were still a team to consider, the Bears possibly, even though they just got Andy Dalton. Uh, the Bears were a possibility, and then you have Jets, 49ers, Denver, who people think he's going to go to, mm-hmm. and that Deshaun Watson wants to go to. So tons of teams still in this talks, and this is going to be an offseason th- off full of Deshaun Watson. I mean, last year it was nonstop Dak Prescott contract talks. This year it's going to be nonstop Deshaun Watson trade talks. So mm-hmm. we'll follow it for the rest of this time. I'm just, these lawsuits and stuff, I'm not, I don't have a super strong opinion about it just because we don't know anything yet. All it is is people saying this happened. Deshaun Watson, I don't think he's come out and said it's not happened, but obviously he's going to say it didn't happen or he's just keeping quiet. He, he did He did the statement. I uh, I didn't. Did he? I, I, I didn't read it. Uh, it was against the first person. Uh, okay. And then, you know, 15 they've, other they've been people coming out. Because like, they've been coming out like in bunches. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, that was just against the first one. I don't know what he's had to say about the rest of them, but he... Uh, he said he didn't do it, and you know anybody that knows him know he wouldn't do mm-hmm. something like this. So, uh, you know, I'm kind of on that same page. You know, he's been in the national spotlight since he was a senior in high school. So, I mean, how are you going to get away with stuff like that uh, mm-hmm. for that for however long uh, period of time it was, uh, and until just you know now when you know he's trying to make something big happen in his life and a big mm-hmm. change and whatever yeah like i i you never want to think like the first thought is oh these people are just trying to ruin someone's career for money yeah but the fact that it happens very often to very high profile athletes and people it could have been like that penn state guy i mean like it happens it happened it has happened before will happen again it's probably happening somewhere uh i mean organization right now yeah but you know you just you wouldn't think deshaun watson is uh you know ethically capable of some of these things but we know we never know but uh well i mean it's gonna be a story falling on and like i said this could literally die down in a month if nothing else comes out about it Mm -hmm. people forget about it or this could ramp up because deshaun watson's not who we thought he was you know i i don't know i don't want to think deshaun watson would do these kind of things but they're out there and you just never know you never know but uh We'll shift off Deshaun Watson for a little bit, but uh, we talk about him every week. But um, yeah, I'm sure we'll talk about him next week. There might be 20 allegations by next week. Like who who knows what's going to happen with this? But yeah, other news of the NFL offseason. No, nothing too too crazy has happened. We talked Andy Dalton a little bit last week, and then you know that was probably the biggest news recently. Andy Dalton going to the Bears. Like I just said, the Bears, according to Ian Rappaport, might still be interested in Deshaun Watson. Yeah. So maybe they got Andy Dalton for trade bait. They drafted there. They drafted him. They signed him for one year, ten million, just to trade off to Houston for Deshaun Watson because he might. Andy Dalton's a better asset than some people they might have, but they also just got Tyrod Taylor. And I think, did they get another quarterback besides Tyrod? I feel like they got somebody else. But either way, that went Fitz, Fitz Magic to Washington, Mitchell Trubisky up to the, the Buffalo. Buffalo Bills, which yeah. I'm sure they're happy about that. That's you know? that's solid I mean, backup. You got a. I think Chicago fans are probably going to be happy about that. I would expect <laughs> Buffalo fans to be happy about it. I mean, I Beth- mean, that's a pretty good backup, Josh Allen. I don't know. I don't know why, but just you know, Buffalo fans. We know them. It's like they're they're one of the best fan bases in the country. Yeah. They're, uh, you know, they they break tables. If they made the Super Bowl last year, we all know they would have gone crazy. Yeah. And I feel like Mitchell Trubisky just kind of fits in to Buffalo. I don't I don't know why it's telling me that. Maybe it's I think he's got a little bit of swagger to him. You know, I think I still think he believes in himself. When, uh, you know, Chicago and their fan base kind of gave up on mm-hmm. him, uh, he still thinks that he can do something. Which I don't know how much he'll be able to do backing up. the. I mean, Josh Allen played phenomenal last year, but we'll, yeah. see what, we'll see what he can do. But other quarterback news that came out, Joe Flacco, one-year deal with the Philadelphia Eagles, came out a couple days ago before the show. And, um, you know, don't you don't think too much of this. He Joe Flacco he was in Baltimore for forever, made the Super Bowl, won the Super Bowl with him. 
had the borderline elite joke surrounding him for mm-hmm. his entire career. He then went off to the Jets and backed up there. He started a few games for the Jets behind Sam Darnold. He's Denver. now in uh, he was in Denver too, yeah, right. And uh, now he's in Philly, presumably backing up Jalen Hurts. And I, does I mean, first off, does this kind of dock the idea that, that Philly might draft a quarterback? Because there's still been the thought like they might draft him. I think they have like the tenth spot or something in the draft. I don't or like the eighth spot. Man, not first round, no. You know, maybe if they want to get Kyle Trask or uh, Kellen Mond or someone of that caliber later on. Mm-hmm. I think uh, I think the management believes in uh, Jalen Hurts. So uh, you know, maybe they're just getting Joe Flacco in there, who's a experienced quarterback. You know, had played some great football in his career uh, maybe they're just putting him in there as a as a mentor yeah to, to Jalen Hurts Very good point. Uh, I think that's uh the most likely situation uh they're kind of doing right now but I don't know anything I'm not in sports management uh, yeah so they they could have some uh ulterior motives yeah I, I mean maybe it's a it's like what I just said about Andy Dalton maybe they're gonna trade him for picks or something I don't know but I think the Philadelphia Eagles if I am correct they have the number eighth overall pick and there's been thoughts like maybe they'll take a quarterback because they're not too, you know, they're number six overall, but they're not too convinced in Jalen Hurts yet. But I think, I mean, knowing Philadelphia's management, they're probably super convinced. They're super convinced in Carson Wentz, and we saw that fell mm-hmm. through. But Joe Flacco coming in, I put this in the show notes, is a quarterback controversy on the rise in Philly. And, I mean, you wouldn't really think so, but we said the same thing about Jalen Hurts and Carson Wentz when Hurts was drafted in the second round last year. Yeah. Like, oh, is this a con- is this going to be a quarterback controversy? And everyone's like, no, Jalen Hurts will just go in for a couple gadget plays and he'll be a developmental backup. Yeah. That's all everyone thought. And now he's the starter because Carson Wentz, you know, dropped the ball last year. Yeah. And Jalen Hurts, you know, he played, what was it, six games. He got benched the last game because he wasn't playing well. And they pr- and Doug Peterson preferred Nate Sudfeld to win them the game, which didn't matter anything except for Giants fans. Um, they thought Nate Sudfeld was a better opportunity to win the game than Jalen Hurts. And he also, you know, he played – Fairly decent a couple games in one. He played really awful in some other ones. Dallas was one of the games and a few others. Didn't play to his strengths. Had a bunch of turnovers. Not the best kind of quarterback. And now having a full offseason, he could improve some. But if he doesn't perform too, too great, I know Philly fans, they're ruthless. They are. They, I mean, the fact Everybody that, in Philadelphia is. Yeah. They, they, they burn buildings and cars and tear on lampposts when they won the Super Bowl. Yeah. They're ruthless guys. Ruthless fans. So... If Jalen Hurts isn't playing to the strength, I mean, they called for Jalen Hurts to start over Wentz this past season. Uh, Nick Foles starting over Carson Wentz this year after the Super Bowl, which ended up happening anyway because Wentz got hurt again in the playoffs. And But it's every year, it seems, for Philadelphia, there's the main starter and a backup, and the backup somehow gets into the conversation of starting. So whether it happens again here with Joe Flacco starting over Jalen Hurts, I think there's definitely a chance for it. Yeah, I, I, I would agree with that. Uh, I mean, you know, Philly fans, if they don't see what – what they want to see in the first four or five games, they're going to start chanting and, uh, you know, doing their, their social media <laughs> influence. And, uh, they're gonna, they're gonna, you know, say, Hey, put Flacco in, or, you know, if they draft someone in the draft, put that guy in mm-hmm. and it happens. They, they don't, they're not patient. They're not patient at all. They're not, I mean, you know, they're not trusting the process, which is something they, they should do. Maybe it'll make them start feeling I mean, dangerous. I mean, every year they're told that for the 76ers, trust the process. And mm-hmm. as an Eagles fan, they're not, but yeah. for the 76ers fans, they are. But I mean, like you, like you said, first four to five games is going to be the, that's going to be the point because Jalen Hurts was one and three as a quarterback last year. 52% completion percentage, six touchdowns and four interceptions. He had a running capability, but 
other than that, pretty average to below average stats for him. Right. So only putting up roughly 250 yards a game, 260 yards a game passing, you know, mediocre quarterback play. So he's going to take a step up and lead this team. I'm sure Philly fans know they're not going to be very good this year. They've made some kind of some moves in the so far in free agency, but nothing too fantastic. Yeah, they're not going to be very good. They're arguably the worst team in the NFC East with the Giants. Possibly Which, all the, the Giants are also looking kind of which almost makes you the worst team in the NFL. Exactly, because I mean the NFC East is about as easy as it gets. Yeah, but Dallas is getting better through the draft at least. Washington's gotten a whole heck of a lot better at least, at least for some minor upgrades on in the wide receiver room and in the quarterback I mean, room. Oh, you know we're big advocates for <laughs> Taylor Heineke, so. I, I I mean I don't I see see that's 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 the goat quarterback room because you got you got Fitzmagic and Heineke so even if Fitzmagic you know he'll have his first four games where he goes four zero or something and Couple throws for hype gods or he throws for twelve hundred yards in four games or whatever and then he'll die off because he always you know cools down a little bit throughout the season and then you got you got Heineke to put into to come back up and he'll have a resurgence yeah it's it's gonna be tough for Dallas it certainly is but uh <laughs> D- Dak will lead us through yeah Dak will lead us through but. Quarterback controversy for the Eagles. I mean, I think it's gonna. Ha- I think there's a chance for it, but I don't know. We, we'll, we'll wait and see. But last thing we got here, just kind of just something interesting to talk about. I mentioned that Wentz is gonna as a bold prediction, a Super Bowl prediction, way too early one. Wentz will win MVP and the Colts will be the. Or that's the MVP. No, I said he'll, the Colts will get Wentz and they'll be the number one seed in the AFC. Yeah. Which if they make the number one overall seed, Wentz will probably be in the MVP discussion. Yeah. Now it was bold because I don't think Wentz is too too good, and I don't know how well the Colts are gonna <laughs> I don't run think, with him. I don't think they have that many great pieces on offense right now, besides maybe some of their offensive line. Offensive lines top three in the league at best, and uh, they just signed today actually before the show they signed T.Y. Hilton to a hmm. one year okay. 10, 10 million deal. That's so not they, bad. they got him coming back. Jonathan Taylor, running back, was arguably one of the best rookies last year. Yeah, but that's it. That's really it. I can't think of uh, then another good receiver they drafted. I don't um, know. Jack isn't there a tight end Jack Doyle or something? Yeah, he's he's, he's you know proven that he can uh, be be pretty good top ten tight end in the league. Yeah, he's not he's not phenomenal. I mean, he's not a Kelsey or anything, but yeah, you start him on a fantasy league, so he's can't be too too bad. I mean, those are different. Yeah, but like Travis Kelsey, uh, George Kittle, <laughs> they're they're different tight ends. Yeah, I mean, I mean the Colts. You know, Jonathan Taylor, like I said, one of the best running back rookies last year. T.Y. Hilton, they just re-signed. Michael Pittman Jr. was a rookie last year. Yeah. He was he was a decent number two. Okay. Paris Campbell as well. I think he was a yeah. rookie or a second-year guy. Not too, too bad. So they're in the average to below average wide receiver room. T.Y. Hilton's getting a little old. And the backup, their four and five receivers are literally nobody. You got Zach Pascal, Ashton Doolin, J.J. Nelson. Like, I don't, I don't J.J. know. J.J. Nelson I've heard of. The other two, not, not familiar with. J.J. Nelson, wide receiver... I think he was from. Uh, I think he played some ball at Arizona. Yeah, I don't. I can't. I can't. His ESPN, ESPN profile is not very big, but yeah. those are the guys they got. So that's how the Colts are looking. But like, what I was leading into with the Colts, you got Carson Wentz there, new quarterback in a new system. Matthew Stafford's going to L.A. Jared Goff's in Detroit. Who are we feeling is going to have the best season this upcoming? I mean, all three teams. I, I guess maybe besides Detroit. Uh, at least between Stafford and Wentz, they got a decent offense. They're they're joining a better team than what they left. So uh, who's going to have a better season? Where it's one going to have an MVP conversation? What are you thinking about these two? No, uh, no MVP conversations for e- any of these three. Uh, Short term, mm-hmm. I see Matthew Stafford uh, doing the best. I think uh, he's got great. You know, they're not great running backs. They're good running backs uh, mm-hmm. with that two uh, back system they got. That'll help them, uh, you know, pretty good uh, receivers with Robert Woods, uh, Cooper Cup. 
Taylor Higby's a pretty dang good tight end. Yeah. Uh, Cam Cam Akers looked promising yeah, last year too. Cam yeah. Akers is one of those running backs. Uh, I, Mar Marquise Brown, I believe, was the other one. Uh, you know, I I think uh, they'll be pretty good. Uh, long term, though, I'm going with uh, Jared Goff. Okay. The, Interesting. That's the, a hot take. I'll say that's a hot take. Yeah, I'm gonna say he he does the best. Uh, I don't. Kenny Galladay's gone, isn't he? He got um, signed somewhere else. Kenny Galladay is yeah. He signed with a four year deal with the Giants. Yeah. So he yeah he's gone. Marvin Jones is gone. Marvin Jones is gone. He I went mean, to uh to Chris's team. He went to the Jaguars, I think, right? Yeah, he did. He yeah. did. Yeah. Um. So they got good running backs there. Three. Uh. Maybe even four. Uh, Adrian Peterson, DeAndre Swift, my boy Carryon Johnson. Uh, is, Peterson, is Peterson still there? I believe he is. Last time I looked at the roster, he was. Let's see. And Bo Scarborough's the other yeah, okay. fellow. It still says he's a, he's on the. I swear he got gotten traded, but maybe I just read something wrong. Yeah, he's still in, he's still in the Lions. You're right. So at least you have Adrian Peterson looking after that running back room. Um, but the wide receiver is the thing that uh, Goff is going to need. Uh, he's definitely primarily a passing quarterback, and we'll have to see what Detroit does for him in the upcoming drafts and uh, the rest of this free agency. And I'm sure some big names will come up in the next season or two for free agency and receivers. So we're just going to have to see. But I think uh, I think he has the best long term career, you know, out of out of those mm. three. Interesting. Even though Stafford's been a stat machine and is older, yeah. But I'll, I'll say, like, I mean, Carson Wentz. I, I feel like his fit in Indianapolis is going to be very good. Um, obviously, his biggest issue when it came to Philly was that he didn't have a lot of time in the pocket. He was getting pressured too much, and he, he just doesn't have the capability to make those quick second decisions too often. Mm -hmm. So that was his main issue there. And he's going to get the protection he needs in Indianapolis. He's going to have some weapons which are better than what Philly had. Maybe a little bit of a even at running back, Jonathan Taylor compared to what they had in Philly. And uh, wide receivers, preferably an upgrade with Michael Pittman Jr. and uh, and T.Y. Hilton there. So I think the protection mostly is going to allow Wentz to be good. I mean, he had phenomenal protection on the offensive line when they made the Super Bowl in 2017. He's rekindling with uh, his offensive coordinator, head coach Frank Wright at Indianapolis, who he had as the OC in Philadelphia during that big run. And, you know, with him being the head coach here in, in Indy, that's gonna they're going to hopefully gel very well. It's part of the reason why I think Carson Wentz went to Indianapolis in the first place or why Indy decided to trade for him mm -hmm. was because they had Frank Wright and they could get those two paired back together. As for Matthew Stafford, Rams general manager Les Snead has already come out and said, quote, it's a rare opportunity to have the chance to, to bet on going from a good to a great quarterback play. Obviously going from Jared Goff to Matthew Stafford. So he's already claiming they're going from a good quarterback to a great quarterback in Matthew Stafford. And Stafford, like you said, he is a stat machine. I mean, every year it seems like there's been at least a minor argument where maybe halfway through the season they're like, is Matthew Stafford an MVP, MVP candidate? Well, I mean, he's, he he had Calvin Johnson in his early days who is uh, one of the best NFL receivers ever to play. You know, top six, seven maybe mm -hmm. somewhere in there. And so, you know, he had talent with uh, with Detroit for part of his career. Kenny Galladay and Marvin Jones – not the worst guys you could have on your team, mm -hmm. but they're not guys that are going to go out and put the whole game on their shoulders, you know, week in, week out. Mm -hmm. That's something Stafford had to do uh, with with just how he could uh, distribute the ball across the field. I think he can do that better and more efficiently uh, with Los Angeles and the Rams organization. So, 
you know, like I said, I think they're going to be great short term, but I don't think uh, Matthew Stafford's going to have that much more longevity left in his career. Yeah, he's definitely older. What is he like? In the, he's in his thirties now, right? Like, I believe so. Matthew Stafford. Let's see. He is thirty three. So yeah, yeah. He, he's he's on the on the older side, at least for quarterbacks. Kind of in the middle. He's still he's still maybe has you know four years left if he's continues to play like not in the everybody's dive. Tom Brady. Not everyone's the thirty seven, but he uh, you can give him thirty five at least. Yeah, I'd say for sure, but. I think the situation there is good with Matthew Stafford. I mean, he's never been on a winning team with a winning attitude, winning coach, phenomenal playmakers, especially on the defensive side. I mean, he's had good offensive weapons. Mm-hmm. Wide receivers, he's had great ones. Running back, Detroit's never really had a good running back. And now you have, at least at least with Stafford, they have a good mm-hmm. running back. They obviously have, like, Barry Sanders yeah, in the past. Yeah, I was about to say. You know, like, with Stafford, yeah. they haven't had a good running back. They yeah. used to, but... Um, I got what you were getting. Yeah, and so now he's on a team with a good defense, which has been Detroit's main Achilles heel. They've never had a good defense in Stafford's tenure there. Since, what, 2009, I think he was drafted? I believe that's correct. Never had a good defense there. He's finally going to get probably the best defense with the best defensive player in the league in Aaron Donald, and then their defensive line's phenomenal. you got Jalen Ramsey on the outside. Hunting. Hunting, just ball hawk. So he's on a team. I think he could get his first playoff win this year. I mean, they they won last year in the playoffs, beat Russell Wilson, and that was with uh, Jared Goff and their backup that was playing in the AAF. Mm. I can't think of his name. Yeah, but, me neither. But that guy, he was playing in the AAF. Like That tells you enough about who their backup was. So they were able to beat Russell Wilson purely on defense. So if they could have Matthew Stafford, they could have a shot at getting him his first ever playoff win and playoff, not appearance, but win. He's been yeah. in the playoffs a few times. But... I think Stafford, at least this upcoming season, is going to have the best opportunity. I think him and Wentz are going to be more even. I mean, I made the prediction that the Colts would be the number one overall se- or number one overall seed in, in the AFC. I'm not saying that's. I mean, like that we, was our bold prediction. That was our bold. Show. Yeah, exactly. I'm not saying that's going to happen. If I had to say reasonably who the number one seed is going to be, it's going to be the Chiefs or the Bills, and, and maybe like an outside Ravens or something if they get hot or the Browns. Like, but it's yeah. going to be the Chiefs or the Bills. So, I'm not. I'm not sticking to that decision that Wentz is better. I think re- idealistically. Stafford's gonna have the better season than Wentz. Yeah. I just I had that bold prediction, which kind of puts a cloud over it. But you, you know, you, you know what I, you know what I'm putting down. You're, you're you're trying to gain some more traction with uh, what what you said. So you know maybe it can go somewhere, even though none yeah. of those none of those players are going to be too terribly influenced by the show. Maybe, yeah. but uh, you never know. <laughs> but uh, they're they're listening. They're totally listening. Oh, for sure, dude. <laughs> I mean, I'll, I'll listen to this over Stephen A. Smith every morning. You're joking me, but yeah. Uh, we'll see. We'll see. I, I mean, and we we still have quarterbacks to move to come, so they might not even be the best quarterbacks on a new team. I mean, Fitzmagic might be the best. We we don't know. And Deshaun, Watson. Deshaun Watson. I mean, if Sean goes to either, I think if he goes to Carolina, which he doesn't want to apparently, but he should. If he goes to Carolina or he goes to San Francisco, one hundred percent agree. Yeah, why not go to Carolina? If it's you close go to, to home, best players. Yeah, he said he wants to go to San Francisco or Denver. Why not Carolina? You have phenomenal offensive weapons, and the defense is yeah. it's young and hot. Everybody would be there for you already instead of you having to attract guys yeah. to come to where you, you got, want. At, at, I don't know how close this is, but half of South Carolina is a Clemson fan, probably, if not more than half. Probably at least. more now. We got a lot of bandwagons in the state. Yeah, so like you got at least half of the state behind you who are gonna probably. I mean, you got people like Jameson who follow. You know, a lot of people they don't pick a team; they pick a player. They mm-hmm. follow the player, so you'll you'll get people to go to Carolina, which is your home team technically. Yeah. So you got that. I mean, Carolina, like you said this in a few episodes past, you got McCaffrey, you got DJ Moore, you got uh, uh, Robbie Anderson phenomenal players and then their defense super young super yeah. super you know just 
and momentum and all that. They're still going to be influenced by like Thomas Davis and Luke Keekley. They're still all you know in that general area. Yeah, they're mentoring. And, they're still yes. probably in the facility and stuff. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so I don't know why you wouldn't want to go there, Sean yeah. Watson. But if he goes there, Greg or Olson like too. yeah, if if he goes there, Carolina or San Francisco, I think he'll we'll put him in this conversation. He'll have the best season. Yeah, but at the way it's going now, the Texans aren't going to trade him, and he might sit out. So we'll wait and see. Crazy. But anyway. Guys, that's going to do it for us, Liam. Uh, great show today. Yeah, man, enjoyed it. Chris, I hope you are, uh, if you're listening on the golf course, I hope you're, you're, you're hitting some good hitting some good drives. Just improving in and some tr- work, dog. Improving that play, staying on the pure. grind, getting that bread. Go find some peaky blinders. Yeah, exactly. They're, they're all out there. So, guys, thank you so much for listening to this show, and uh, we will be back next Wednesday, as always, from 4 to 6 p.m., and, uh, you know, if you didn't catch this entire show and you want to listen to the rest of it or the just a little bit beforehand, check us out on our podcasting network. We are on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play Podcasts, and everywhere else podcasting can be found. As well, if you want to follow us on social media and see clips from the show, quotes, predictions, and all our reactions of everything, check us out on social media. We are at Off the Bench XLR. We are on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok. So check us out there. Again, that is at Off the Bench XLR. Look for the green, gray, and white logo. Anyway, guys, remember to stay in the game and off the bench and have a good night.